Oklahoma legislature passes a game changer on the NIL front. We'll talk about what it means for the Oklahoma Sooners on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners, and thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. We're free and available on all podcast platforms. And shout out to all the everydayers out there being locked in with Locked On Sooners. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. My buddy here is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Sooners. And the first thing we got to talk about tonight, Josh, is what happened at Capitol Hill in Oklahoma as the Oklahoma legislator overrode Governor Stitt's veto of the NIL bill, which will basically give Oklahoma institutions a little bit of protection from the NCAA if they were going to try and come after the universities for potential infractions on the NIL front. It's huge. Yeah, I mean, it seems like it. And I'm reading from on three Pete Nakos's story here, uh, you know, want to get more familiarized with just the language of uh, State Bill 840 in general, but here's what NACOS wrote. The new state law prohibits the NCAA from coming down on institutions involving protected NIL activities. Arguably more important, John, collectives are now allowed to compensate current and prospective athletes, which was previously a prohibition. Athletic departments are now legally allowed to throw their power behind preferred collectives too so what does all of that mean what what does that say when we digest it well first and foremost john i think the important thing here is joe castiglione the university of oklahoma brent venables porter moser uh, patty gasso on and on and on every coach at the university of oklahoma can now talk to the collective and and work with the crimson and cream collective and and you know, help them help direct the collectives with uh, with current and prospective athletes. So this is massive news. It's a game changer for the University of Oklahoma. What exactly all of this means for the University of Oklahoma? I don't think we have a great grasp on right now. Thursday, May twenty fifth, and Friday, May twenty sixth. It's going to take a little bit of time to totally uncover and unearth what all of this means for OU, but. Just at the very, very basic level, John, it means, hey, there's no more lazi fair from the powers that be at the University of Oklahoma. They have legal protection against the NCAA, which is gigantic. It is because what it does is it just frees them up to just say, hey, Crimson and Cream Collective, we got your back. We're going to help give you kind of some guidance on how to how to direct these funds. And honestly, it allows them to even push, you know, donors like, hey, you want to be a part of of the NIL game? This is who we partner with. This is who we support. And that kind of out front and verbal partnership, I think it, it, it takes the cloud away from it a little bit because there are several collectives out there and you're like, okay, who, who do we back? Who do we support? Which one do we give to? Um, if you're a big, big, big time money donor who, you know, where do, where do we want to funnel our funds on the NIL front and the university being able to say, this is where you need to go with it that does 
it, it clears things up for everybody involved. I think over the last, you know, couple, couple years since NIL kind of first really got some legs and began becoming part of the college football conversation, there was just still this kind of wait and see approach, I think from a lot of places, uh, maybe not some others like a Miami uh, where they're kind of having to backtrack on some of the things or they're, they kind of got into a little bit of hot water with the Cavender twins uh, and John Ruiz and some of the dealings that's been going on over there. Whereas Oklahoma's kind of taken, I think a more conservative approach, just a, as you said, it just a, a slow to speak, quick to listen, you know, not, not really trying to rush into things too quickly and have a really good grasp of what NIL means in the state of Oklahoma with their university and with their current and now with this new legislation perspective athletes as well. And so it does, it does create a little bit of a game changer for them that now, okay, there's more clarity. And I think more clarity is kind of what everybody's been seeking, right? As they enter into the NIL game as Oklahoma, as donors, as collectives all work to see how this could best work for the university of Oklahoma. It just creates more clarity. And that clarity is going to be able to allow everybody to be working on a more specific page as opposed to, you know, a book that's like this thick. Now they can kind of narrow things down a little bit and, and be a little bit more focused in their intentions. Well, and I'm going to read another portion of this on three story, and maybe we can share that in the, the, uh, in, in the show notes, uh, you know, for everybody out there on the, the podcast side, uh, just the audio side, and then maybe on the, the YouTube side as well for everyone, just so you could see the story that we're reading from here. So back in February, this is, I'll just read verbatim. Back in February, Texas A&M announced the 12th Man Foundation had created the 12th Man Plus Fund to provide NIL opportunities. The entity appears to be acting on behalf of the institution, which is against the NCAA's policy. Texas A&M is believed to be the first school whose official athletic booster organization is directly fundraising for NIL opportunities. Oklahoma is on track to soon launch a similar organization, a source indicated to on three. This, this is the one of the meaty, meaty portions of all of this for me, John, because basically what does this say? Well, it said that in the past, we uh, it's right there in the XYZ of the rules for the NCAA is no enticement of prospects, right? Well, now basically you can entice prospects. You could put packages together for prospective student athletes. You can imagine this scenario, John. This was something that you couldn't do previously. There's six, seven college football Saturdays a year, right? And there's 85,000 people, 90,000, probably more than that, that there's that 85,000 that descends upon Gaylord family, Oklahoma Memorial stadium and thousands of others, others that flood into the city of Norman, Oklahoma and surround themselves around the campus, all going to an event like the boomer bash or this event or that event. And so I think of those boomer bash type events that I've been to in the past that probably a lot of our listeners or fans have been to now, all of a sudden the crimson and cream collective or one Oklahoma or you name it collective they can be at the Boomer Bash. They can have a stand set up at the Boomer Bash. The athletic department and university officials can direct traffic to the Crimson and Cream Collective stand and say, hey, you can donate over there. That's where you can help Oklahoma. That was a no-go. You couldn't do that. 
Now with this type of legislation, John, Oklahoma can. And I think if we've learned one thing about the NCAA in the last however many years, it's this. Oklahoma's, they're in a safe haven now, John. The NCAA is not coming after OU. The NCAA is terrified to come after Texas A&M or Oklahoma or any of these universities that exist in states that have passed this type of legislation. Why, John? Because they don't want that almighty dollar ripped away. They are terrified of a lawsuit. So I think that this just totally opens the floodgates for the University of Oklahoma. It does. And and the other aspect is that is they don't want to spend the money in legal fees going after schools for NIL. It's just the reality in which we stand. Now, I, I do I think that they're going to be out there offering seven figure deals to prospective student athletes? Probably not. Are they going to be? I, I do think that this could help on like the basketball front. You know, Oklahoma football is going to recruit because Oklahoma football is Oklahoma football. But on on the basketball front of things, where you haven't been able to always get a star player, uh, potentially it's going to help you recruit a little bit better now as you try to build your basketball program ahead of going into the SEC. I mean, softball is going to – they're always going to be able to recruit as long as Patty Gasso is the head coach at Oklahoma for the softball program. They're going to be able to recruit. That's not a problem. But, you know, again, baseball, what if there's a, a guy that you're, you're uh, you know, heavily recruiting on the baseball front, but maybe he's looking at being a, a draft pick in MLB and he's got a nice sign-in bonus coming his way. Well, now with kind of the open door a little bit, you might be able to be a little bit more proactive and aggressive on the NIL, NIL front. I'm like, hey, you know what? If you want to go to college, but you're concerned about the money, well, we can help you out on that front. Like we're, we're, that's not a concern. Like we can figure that out as well and maybe get that guy into, uh, you know, playing at L Dale Mitchell instead of going to, you know, rookie ball, his first season out of high school. So just a lot of really interesting weaving of the web that can occur here. But ultimately what it comes down to is now the collectives and the pro and the program can be more on the same page and be out in the open about being on the same page. And that I think, you know, in, in years of fundraising, I've got a lot of experience, you know, raising funds. What people want to know is how they can help. And if there's not a lot of um, open communication from the head of the athletic department or the head of the football program about how they can help financially, sometimes, sometimes people aren't sure how to do it. But now when they can say, hey, listen, you're $50 a month to X collective, that makes a big difference to what we do as a program, even if it's just $50 a month. Like that $50 a month times 100 people, well, what is that? That's $50,000 a month. Sorry, five, $5,000 $5, a month. I'm not doing my math correct on a late Thursday night recording. Uh, but I mean, that all adds up. Like every little bit counts and every little bit matters, especially when you're going up against some, some big pocketed, you know, programs like Texas A&M and Texas and USC with, you know, Dr. Dre and, and Snoop Dogg kind of supporting them back in their NIL front. So you got to have, you know, a, a program that's all cohesive and, and is cohesed, cohesed, has a cohesive package with the collective. So it, it's a big move for everybody as far as Oklahoma is concerned. In Tulsa, like it's good for Tulsa. If they can get their, you know, it's a private school that has opportunities to probably raise a good NIL game. If they can get their boosters in their back, you know, their, their people behind it, potentially it helps them not just stay at the AAC level, but maybe one day they can be a part of future expansion talks and get up into the 
quote unquote power five as we see it now. So it, it does help everybody in the state of Oklahoma, not just Oklahoma, but Oklahoma State, Tulsa as well. Well, and again, it's just going to be fascinating to watch what happens all from this. I mean, you know, a good bit of it probably won't. Some of it will will notice obvious differences, John, but others, it's just the the operating behind the scenes that probably we won't see a lot of that, but it's just going to be so much smoother, so much easier for the University of Oklahoma. And probably it's the way that it should be, right? I mean, it's just probably the way that this thing should be. And it's, uh, you know, until everybody else nationally, I, I don't know that you're getting federal legislation on this anytime, particularly soon, if at all, John. So for as long as that's the case, Oklahoma's yes, got a decided advantage over every other program that's in a state that does not have this. So it's, it's massive news. And turn to the page here in a second, we're going to talk about what a rival website, a Texas Longhorns website has to say about Oklahoma and their potential to contend in the big 12. First, let me talk to y'all about bird dogs, fantastic shorts, fantastic athletic wear everyday wear. It's that time of the year where it is, it's going to start getting hot. I know it's not there yet in Oklahoma. It's beautiful out right now, but all the more reason to get your shorts on, get outside, get in the sun, go to birddogs.com, use promo code locked on college, and you can get a fantastic tumbler for free with every purchase. But I mean, the, the wear is so comfortable and it just feels good. It offers great support as well. If you're reaching the age that I am, I'm a man. I'm 40. You got to have a little support. Sometimes you don't want everything just running loose. Apologize, but bird dogs, they've got great, you know, these, these liners in them that do offer that great support. So when I was out there with my, my soccer girls and running around with them, everything was great. It, it was comfortable. I could move well and I could stay cool as well. So go to birddogs.com, use promo code locked on college, get that free tumbler as well. But again, Great athletic wear, great everyday wear over at birddogs.com. All right, Josh, we're looking at Joey Hickey's piece of Longhorns Wire. Uh, if you read my work over at Sooners Wire, this is the Texas Longhorns version of that over at Longhorns Wire, part of the USA Today Network. He wrote an article that I thought was really interesting where he kind of made the case for each of the Big 12 contenders uh, that to win the Big 12 this year. And so I was like, okay, I thought, I thought he made some really good points. So point number one, we'll just go one by one with this. And he first says Oklahoma should be favored in 11 of the 12 games on the schedule. I don't have any disagreement with that. You know, you might could make an argument that at some point down the road, maybe in later, later in the season that BYU, depending on how their season's going, could ultimately be a home favorite, but I, it would be by a small margin. But I truly anticipate that as we see, you know, the, the game by game odds come out that Oklahoma will be favored in all but one game. And that game will probably be the Red River showdown against Texas. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I don't know that there's going in, right? I mean, obviously, if Oklahoma's not who we think that they could be, in 2023, then then that would change, you know, quickly that maybe there's a game out there that you're not favored in. But yeah, where we sit right now today, there's one game. And frankly, there's a chance they could be favored in all 12, depending on how the, the front portion of the season goes and uh, how it goes for Texas as well. I think that you and I agree, and I would agree with Longhorns Wire that right now today, Texas well, you can look, you'll see that Texas is favored uh, in, you know, various venues that have that spread out there 
But uh, again, that can shift between now and then. And depending upon what happens between Texas and Alabama, if it's particularly ugly for Texas, then Oklahoma, if they you know play really, really well up until that point, and they're undefeated 5-0 and going in and look like a top 15, top 10 team in the country. I mean, maybe Oklahoma's favorite in every single game. But yeah, just on the general premise, Oklahoma's better on paper than every team maybe on its entire schedule. And if not that, then going in on 11 of the 12 teams on its schedule. So, yeah, I mean, Oklahoma, that's a clear factor at play for OU, why you should like Oklahoma. They're more talented than most everybody on their schedule. And the schedule matters. If you're not having to play teams like Kansas State, Texas Tech, Baylor, who are all kind of projected to be in the top half of the league, then – your schedule is going to look a lot more favorable uh, when your road trips, you know, don't include having to go to Lubbock or you don't have to go back to uh, Morgantown. You don't got to go uh, to Ames this year. Uh, things are just going to feel better. So it, it just looks better on paper. The schedule looks strong for the Sooners. We've talked about that quite a bit, but Hey, we're gr- We're glad our friend uh, Joey Hickey agrees with us on that front. Uh, but another point, Dylan Gabriel, the best returning quarterback in the Big 12, is one of his rationales as to why Oklahoma could be a contender or should be a contender in 2023. You have to say that Dylan Gabriel is one of the top quarterbacks or arguably is the top returning quarterback in the Big 12. 3,100-plus yards, 25-some-odd touchdowns, just the six interceptions. I mean – did a really good job taking care of the football. So absolutely, the the quarterback, the stability at play at that position for Oklahoma, the fact that even though he's talented, you don't have to just automatically toss Jackson Arnold into the equation is a, a good factor at play for Oklahoma to, to be right in the mix for the Big 12 championship game. The fact that you have the quarterback stability, it matters. Like It's the first time in a, in a while that you've had quarterback stability like this, you know, Jalen, when Jalen hurts took over, you kind of thought you were going to get a good quarterback, but I don't think anybody anticipated him having quite the season that he had simply based on what he did at Alabama. I mean, he, he was a good quarterback, but he didn't have the same passing production. Uh, So you kind of almost go back to Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield a little bit. And it's been since Baker Mayfield um, that you've had, well, I guess Spencer Rattler started the season two years in a row but lost his job midway through. I don't anticipate that happening with Dylan Gabriel because he is one of the better quarterbacks in the Big 12, and I don't think he's going to be on a short leash like Spencer Rattler was with Lincoln Riley, and I don't think he's going to have moments where he's um, as – I don't even think Spencer Rattler was bad necessarily. He Just the couple of turnovers were bad. I don't think Dylan Dylan Gabriel will have – those kind of brain farts where he just throws these bad picks um, in a game that, you know, puts Oklahoma in, in a big, big hole early. Uh, Now we did see him in some holes early last year, but they did rally and got themselves closer in those games. Uh, The next thing, does Oklahoma have one of the best linebacker rooms in the country? Joey Hickey thinks possibly. They're going to have a chance to Uh, absolutely. They're going to have a chance to, and really this hinges on, Desan McCullough, is he who we think he is and what we feel like we saw in the spring game? If he's that at Cheetah and then 
if it's, you know, he lists Jaron Canick here, and I think most people would list Jaron Canick for Oklahoma, but whether it's Canick or somebody else there alongside Stutzman in addition to McCola at Cheetah, then, yeah, Oklahoma probably is going to have one of the best linebacking cores in America. Danny Stutzman alone is one of the best returning linebackers in uh, it, definitely in the Big 12 and certainly nationally. Yeah, having Stutzman back to kind of help solidify your defense a little bit, I think that matters. You know, again, last year was just his first year starting, and he had a really good year. And amidst everything that was going on with Oklahoma's defense, you know, very little you know, interior defensive line production uh, and play and holding up at the point of attack. He had a really good year. It was it all great. No, but again, the dude played almost a thousand snaps only. I think it was only three players in all of FBS played more snaps than him. And none of them were at the power five level and none of them were linebackers. So he led the country in linebacker snaps. So the dude was an iron man last year for the team. And did he wear down in games? I'm sure he did. You know, when you're playing 80, 90 snaps in a game, it's it'd be natural to eventually kind of get worn down. What do, what's the talk always about why you run the football? You run the football so that you wear opponents down, keep them on the field longer, and eventually they crack. Well, that's just kind of what happened to Oklahoma late in games last year on defense. So you get him back, you bring in, you know, Canik, he flashed. Like for a dude that didn't know what he was doing, he sure looked really good at times early last year. And then DeSamicola, the athleticism, the the physicality that's kind of one of the things that really flashed in the spring game is the dude was a physical player re- ready and willing to put a hit on somebody but also avail- able to play in space you know for a guy his size to be able to move in space the way he can that, that's going to be a really really unique dynamic that they have but then if you go too deep and you talk about Kobe McKenzie and Kip Lewis and you know Shane Witter and uh, you know Samuel Masigo coming in and Lewis Carter and Phil Picciotti who's been in in there for the spring it's a it's a deep group. Is it inexperienced? Possibly, but I think it's only going to be a matter of time before we don't talk about this group being inexperienced. I think they're really going to hit the ground running and and show why this defense is going to be much much better. And a lot of it does start with the linebacker position. Josh, the la- the next thing that he mentions in his um, rationale as to why the Oklahoma Sooners are going to be a big 12 title contender. And that's immediate impact additions. You know, all the guys that they went into the transfer portal and added, and then even several guys as a part of their recruiting class that they were able to bring in, you know, two guys that he mentions in particular, Peyton Bowen, PJ Adabari, like those two guys are going to have uh, an opportunity to make impacts on this team in 2023. We've already seen what Peyton Bowen can do. He got early run in the spring game with the first team defense. And I think that that matters, you know, being able to get out there and get those reps, get those snaps. Everybody said nothing but positive things about this kid. And he went through, a, a, honestly, he went through a pretty wild offseason, like a, a trauma filled offseason where he lost his sister, um, you know, d- during childbirth. Birth. And then Brent Venables mentioned he even went through an injury, but yet he showed up in the spring game and had as good a performance as anybody on that day. So it, it kind of also speaks to like the mental toughness that the kid brings at such a young age that it's hard not to imagine him coming in and having an immediate impact with the Sooners. Yeah. I, it's just horrible that a tragedy like that had to happen. Um, just breaks your heart. It's a downer. Anytime you, you think about that still just wishing the best for, for he and his family, but the, on, on the football end of the equation, sure. Yeah. It shows mental toughness. What, what we saw throughout the spring and then just the talent 
is so obvious, so apparent with uh, Peyton Bowen. He was one of the most exciting guys to watch throughout the uh, the the spring game for Oklahoma for obvious reasons. Comes up and makes a makes a play right that Oklahoma fans have been waiting to see a defensive player make. Didn't take long at all to see that, and really, you know, and this is not to knock Longhorns wire at all. There's probably not enough space for all of the different transfer portal additions that Oklahoma brought in that could be, as uh, the uh, phrasing goes right here, quote, immediate impact additions, end quote. Yeah, Stogner, Rondell Bothroyd, Peyton Bowen, P.J. Uh, Atabare, Rouse, all of those guys. But what about Schaefer? What about uh, what about? Ford. I mean, you could go on and on and on. I mean, there's so many players that Oklahoma's brought in. Uh, Reggie Pearson in the defensive backfield, I think, has a chance to impact things for Oklahoma. And I'm, I, I know I'm leaving out a bunch here, and that's to the point is, yes, Oklahoma, we think, has uh, infused a lot of talent via the transfer portal and, and the signing class. It has. One guy that you left out, Reggie Pearson, or sorry, not Reggie Pearson, Brennan Thompson. Uh, a guy that I think is going to have a huge impact. Just the the speed alone is going to make him an impactful player for the Sooners. He may not play a full complement of snaps at wide receiver early on, but I think by the end of the year, you're going to start seeing him get more and more looks because you can't keep that speed off the field. It's only a matter of time before he's, he's getting a, a lot of opportunities, whether it's as a slot or on the outside, just to give them a burner on the outside. The, the final thing and kind of speaks to this here, but enough offensive talent, you know, yes, there's question marks right now on the offensive side of the ball at wide receiver at offensive line, but there's a lot of talent on this Oklahoma Sooners offense. Absolutely. And we're just waiting to discover the rest of the talent. I feel pretty good about the pair of running backs. The, the glimpses we've seen saw a lot of Javante Barnes, but a glimpse of Gavin Sachuk. And, and you brought a couple of talented running backs in. So feel good about that in the backfield for Oklahoma. Jalil Farouk, okay, we think Oklahoma's got a number one wide receiver. We know Oklahoma's got somebody in Drake Stoops that if you have a an important third down and the football finds its way to an open Drake Stoops, he's coming down with the football and he's moving the sticks. So you've got somebody very reliable that can, can be a, a chain mover for you in Drake Stoops. And then the rest of it is, okay, is it going to be a Nick Anderson? Is it going to be a Jaden Gibson? Could a uh, Brennan Thompson, like you talked about, I mean, is that somebody just based on the speed that automatically slides into the equation for Oklahoma and is a difference maker? I've got no doubt uh, that Oklahoma is going to have playmakers at wide receiver before it's all said and done. I love the addition of Stogner coming back. He just uh, strikes me as somebody that is meant to be an Oklahoma sooner, right? I mean, it's supposed to happen here for Austin Stogner. It already was happening here for Austin Stogner before one hit in a game versus Kansas sort of sort of derailed a little bit of that. But we know who Austin Stogner can be. So Oklahoma's got weapons. Some of those we just haven't seen yet, but it's going to develop, and absolutely, they've got enough offensive potency. The question for them is going to be, and I keep saying this, it's going to be how quickly and how far along does the offensive line develop to? Because the skill guys, they're there. We just don't know it yet. Yeah, and this is the question that I think most programs they have to address every offseason is okay, who's going to step up amidst the the departures? You know, teams that produce NFL talent, you got to figure out a way to replace that NFL talent. You do it every single year. 
but Oklahoma has got a number of guys that are definitely capable of stepping into a wide receiver two role being significant parts of the wide receiver rotation. And then you talked about tight end in addition to Stogner. I do think that we do finally start to see the, the Caden Helms, the Jason Llewellyn potential start to kind of show itself in 2023 as those guys start to get more and more integrated into the offense, into the game plan. I mean, Llewellyn, I think he's going to be an impactful player if he's healthy because of his ability as a blocker in the run game, Caden Helms, he'll be used, I think more primarily in passing situations. If Oklahoma's, you know, playing in two minute and they want to get a, a big athletic target out there, he's your guy, you know, somebody that can stretch the seam a little bit and get down the field. So there's, there's a lot of options for Oklahoma. Jeff Levy's got a lot of balls to juggle in the air to figure out how he's going to get touches for these guys. But ultimately they, they just got to figure out, okay, who are going to be their primary three wide receivers, you know, their, their primary starting tight end, starting, you know, tight end one, tight end two, and then who's going to play left guard for them? Because I think otherwise they've got their offensive line pretty well settled. And that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Thanks so much for tuning into the show and being a part of the show wherever you get your podcast. Again, we're free and available on all platforms. Go check us out over on YouTube as well. Hit the subscribe button and that notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. But until next time, he's Josh Helmer. Follow him on Twitter at Josh on Ref. I'm John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John Nine Williams. The show is at Locked On Sooners. And we can't wait to talk to you about, hey, what's going on in the Big 12 championships with Oklahoma baseball? What's gone on in the Oklahoma versus Clemson Super Regional? But until then, Boomer Sooner. <laughs>